You're listening to Podnosis, the pulse of the healthcare industry. I'm Ayla Ellison. Chronic kidney disease is a significant public health issue. Nationwide, roughly 37 million Americans live with chronic kidney disease. Each year, more than 130,000 Americans receive a diagnosis of kidney failure or end-stage renal disease, an irreversible condition that can be fatal. DaVita is one of the largest providers of kidney care, and its services range from slowing the progression of kidney disease to helping to support transplantation. The company has served 200,000 patients at more than 2,700 outpatient dialysis centers in the U.S., Misha Palachek leads DaVita's strategic value-based care partnerships and care delivery innovations. He chatted with senior editor Heather Landy about why the shift to value-based care is critical to raise the bar on kidney care and tackle widespread healthcare disparities. Here they are. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Heather. I'm really excited to be here with you. Kidney disease is growing at an alarming rate. It currently affects more than one in seven American adults, or about 15% of the population. And this is obviously an area that where DaVita has been working in this space for a long time. Could you please just tell me a little bit more about what DaVita does and the company's scale in, in the kidney care space? I love the fact that you said DaVita Kidney Care because we do think about ourselves as a broader kidney care company. Of course, what most people know DaVita for is we've been doing dialysis for a long time. We serve nearly 250,000 patients across 11 countries now. We do a lot of home dialysis. 16% of our patients in the United States dialyze at home. But what I'm really excited about and I hope to talk to you about today is uh, the holistic kidney care aspect of what we do. So we have been on a journey of providing value-based care across the journey that patients have from um, upstream before you are a dialysis patient, uh, you're called a chronic kidney disease patient. And so helping care for those patients, as well as when you transition into needing renal replacement therapy or dialysis, working really hard across the entire healthcare needs of those patients through a value-based care program, what we call that to be as integrated kidney care. I'll just say a little bit of the growth that's happened in that business, which is we've been doing it for a long time for for over 10 years now in some of the demonstration projects that CMMI has put out, as well as with some commercial pair partners. And we now uh, serve over 80,000 patients, half of which are chronic kidney disease patients, the other half are dialysis patients. And those patients represent over $5 billion of healthcare costs that they're consuming annually in the system. At our recent Fierce Health Payer Summit, you were a panelist during a session on, on value-based care. And one of the issues that you and the other panelists were really digging into is this idea of what is value-based care. And the term seems to have kind of a loose definition. So how would you define value-based care in the kidney care space? It was a great discussion on the panel where we were talking about the various definitions that people use now to describe value-based care. And at DaVita, the way we think about it is it's it works best when you're taking full responsibility and full risk for the patients. And in particular, it's when the, the entire, all the players in the healthcare ecosystem are taking risks together. So there's a partnership with the payer. There's, of course, us, who uh, DaVita, that's helping manage the patients. But we also think of it as including our very important physician partners, 
And then, of course, working with health systems as well. And so taking full risk with all the players partnered in and, and rowing in the same direction is when you get, in our opinion, to fully the full value-based care opportunity. Did this value-based care strategy evolve? We've been at it for over 10 years now. We started with CMMI back in 2008 with some of their demonstration projects. They started early on with special needs plans. We've also been working with PAIRS since that time and evolving our value-based care program. And one of the things that really transformed our ability to do what I just described in terms of everyone participating is CMS released some important safe harbors that allow us to partner more closely with our physicians back in 2018, 2019. And so one of the important evolutions has been that, which is we are working not only with the payers, whether it's CMMI and or insurance companies, national and local insurance companies, but we're also working very closely with our physicians. And that becomes particularly important as you think about CKD patients and those CKD patients who are working, who are seeing nephrologists in their CKD clinics, but also very importantly in managing dialysis patients in our clinics. And so I would say that bringing everybody together has become sort of been the evolution that we've been on. So during the Fierce Health Payer Summit, one of the big discussion points was just the, the challenges for physicians and providers making that shift to value-based care. Um, there are a lot of quality metrics that have to be met. And there are a lot of challenges in terms of changing clinical workflows. How do you work with physicians? You know, what is the importance of collaboration to really make this successful? That is one thing that we've been focused on a lot, which is physicians are not set up to succeed in value-based care without somebody helping along that path. And that path is expensive and changing workflows is challenging. Getting the right data in place, getting the right IT systems in place, working together on some of the workflows. And then of course, taking some of the financial risk is important. And so one of the things that we find as we work with pairs, you mentioned quality metrics, is there are a lot of quality metrics that you can attribute to a value-based care contract. And I know that CMS is working on this, but we're also working on it with our pairs, which is it is very helpful to narrow down the set of metrics for physicians to focus in on so that they understand what they need to do with each one of their patients. And if we got a cohort of nephrologists and or even industry participants together, it wouldn't take long for us to agree on the five to 10 metrics that are most important in nephrology for kidney patients. And so that is one thing that we've been working on with the pairs is to narrow down and simplify what it is that the physicians need to work, uh, focus on in their workflows. And at a high level, we talk a lot about business models and payment models, but at the end of the day, the goal of value-based care is to improve clinical outcomes for patients. So how do these value-based care models that the Vita is, is working in, how does this benefit patients? Let's start with upstream, which is where I get probably most excited. One of the probably the biggest issue in American healthcare as it relates to chronic kidney disease is that 50% of patients who need to start dialysis still what's what is called crash in a dialysis, which means they have been in a healthcare desert. They have not been seeing a primary care physician. They don't have any idea that their kidneys are starting to fail and they land in a hospital where the physician who is caring for them in the hospital says, Unfortunately, your kidneys are no good anymore. You have to have renal replacement therapy. And so value-based care holds the promise that we find those patients in those self-care deserts. We get them to see a primary care physician. And then once they're seeing a primary care physician, about 60% of them 
don't ever see a nephrologist. So that's the next step, which is you got to get them to a nephrologist who can start caring for their kidney disease. And so that really is the promise of trying to hold working with the payer, with the primary care physicians, together with the nephrologist to manage their chronic conditions, to slow the progression of kidney disease. And if they need to start dialysis, then make sure that they're educated in the right way for optimal modality selection and then optimal starts into renal replacement therapy. And then I would say downstream, there's a bunch of opportunities as well, which is these are very sick patients. So they have typically five to six comorbid conditions. They're on 20 plus medications a day. They end up in the hospital very frequently. And so there's a lot of opportunity to help patients and their family members navigate the healthcare system and just put them on a better care journey that allows them to be spend more time at home and less time in the hospital. I really would like to talk more about how value-based care intersects with efforts to address health equity. Kidney disease disproportionately affects communities of color. What are specific disparities that DaVita is working to address? I have absolutely been excited about the focus on health equity over the last couple of years in American healthcare. It's been really great. And we, we have a team that looks at this and focuses on this at DaVita. One of the things that we're very proud of is our efforts that we've been doing over years to achieve quality outcomes for patients who receive dialysis or clinics. And, and so that's been great. And you, you can see the equity that happens across the 30 million dialysis treatments that we do annually. Now, a couple of places where we're looking to going forward is one is the equity around selecting home modalities as a treatment choice. There's disparities there. There's disparities around kidney transplants that are very evident. And then I would say the third is the disparities around the preventative care when you're a chronic kidney disease patient, which is what I just mentioned to you, not having access to primary care, not having access to a nephrologist. And so these are some of the areas that we're looking at. One of the things I'll I'll just mention specifically is we have a very robust um, education program for chronic kidney disease patients called Kidney Smart. We now offer Kidney Smart in 11 different languages for patients. In fact, over 10% of our Kidney Smart classes that we do annually are in a different language. And all of those educators go through cultural humility training in order to make sure that they're delivering the education in the right way. So we're starting the work to make sure that we can address some of the disparities that we see, but there's still a long way to go. I think you mentioned that 16% of your patients receive in-home dialysis. Yes, that's about right. And you recently, your kind of clinical research arm recently did some studies looking at some of the challenges and barriers to certain patient populations using in-home dialysis. And I believe some of your studies found that home dialysis use is lower in Mexican-American patients as well as, as, well as African-American patients. Uh, can you tell me a little bit more about that research and, and, and what your researchers discovered in terms of some of the barriers and challenges there? I think there's the two things, and I might add a third thing myself, but One is the education around the modality selection and ensuring that we have culturally sensitive education, which is what I just mentioned. The other one is the trust factor with physicians and their nephrologists specifically. And it's really fascinating, which is it turns out that some people might believe that if your nephrologist is saying, well, why don't you do dialysis at home, that they're trying to give you uh, subpar care that, oh, I don't get the treatment in a center. And so you're asking me to go home, which is, of course, the opposite of what the nephrologist is trying to do. They're trying to get you on a better modality, but it's not perceived that way. And so we have to really think through, and some of that research has highlighted this, 
which is we need to have the cultural sensitivity, how you present it to a patient, how they think about their modality selection, and, and so that they understand what we're trying to do is what's in the best interest for them and that for them and their families. And so that was really interesting. And then I would just say there's no doubt that healthcare deserts are, are a problem because the number one thing that you can do to slow the progression of kidney disease is to address the chronic conditions that patients have. And so you have three, four, or five chronic conditions, and it's and this happens over years. And so if we can get them to the right physicians with the right interventions, then you're going to have a really good impact and slow the progression of dialysis. And that's the opportunity that we have with value-based care is to align all the physicians to do the right thing there. What is the role in home dialysis in addressing health equity? What's the intersection there? When we think about health equity around modality selection, one of the things we talk about is if you asked 100 nephrologists, what modality would they choose if they had to do dialysis? A vast majority, 90% plus, would choose home modality as the best selection because it offers you more flexibility. It actually has very good outcomes. You get to dialyze at home. Oftentimes, it allows more flexibility for your work schedule. And so, if that's the case, and 90 plus percent of nephrologists would select a home modality, why is it that we only have 16% of our patients on home modalities? And the, and the reason for that is it's multifactorial, but the idea would be that you're tr we're trying to get as many patients to understand the opportunity of dialyzing at home and taking advantage of that. And at the same time, we know that it's not for every patient. And the other thing that I would say that's pretty misunderstood in the kidney care world is that the average time on therapy for a home modality patient is two years. The average time to do dialysis is six years. And so there's always going to be this you can do it at home and then you have the safety net of going back in center when you need to go back in center. And so we're never going to have 80% of patients in, in America on home dialysis, but we should give everybody the opportunity to select that modality. And, and that's the journey that we're on. And we're going to do much better at that by catching upstream, getting educated in the right way and creating that right optimal start. So again, it's all about the value-based care upstream to catch the patient early and educate them on their opportunity. It's really interesting with all this discussion about moving more healthcare services to the home, the technology is there, the capabilities are there, but it's just interesting to learn more about how there are still some cultural barriers, there are some misconceptions, um, there needs to be more education and more kind of engagement with patients to, to broaden their understanding of, of what home dialysis is. Yeah, I mean, if sometimes I just do the math for people because it makes it easier. So if you're on dialysis for six years and the average time on therapy is two, about a third of patients could try to do dialysis. And in many other countries, people use the examples of, well, in country X, Y, and Z, they're 80%. The reason for that is that there aren't in-center dialysis not offered. So you have a choice of end of life or you have a choice of doing home therapy. And in the US, we of course offer dialysis to anyone who needs it, which I think is important that we continue to do that. And it's important that we try to get as many patients exposed to the opportunity of home dialysis as we can. With regards to kidney transplants, what is Davida's focus in terms of uh, addressing health inequities in that space? The biggest issue with transplants is, of course, we don't have enough kidneys. And so there's a very long wait list. It's about 100,000 patients that are on the, who are on the wait list. And in the United States, we do 20 to 25,000 transplants a year. So the wait list is long. But the opportunity that we have 
is to ensure that every patient who wants to be considered for a transplant gets on the transplant list. And, and there's disparities in that. And so one of the things that we're working hard on and one of the things CMMI is doing in their care models is ensuring that there's the right incentives to put all patients on the transplant wait list. So that's one thing. The second thing that I would say that is a big opportunity for us is just barriers to living donations. And we're trying to do a better job of educating patients on how do you go about asking your friends and family and loved ones for a potential living donation and the opportunity now to have, if you don't have a right match, they can do very sophisticated swaps. Uh, and a lot of pe patients just don't feel comfortable asking for a living donation. And so we're working very hard to try to put education out there to help patients and encourage them to, to go ahead and ask for a living donation. You mentioned that DaVita has a holistic integrated care approach. What does that mean for your physicians? We're working with over 2,000 physicians now in value-based care across most of America. And there's probably three aspects to it. One aspect is financial alignment. I mentioned that for us, value-based care means that there's financial alignment. And so we're financially aligning ourselves on the results with the physicians. So they get to participate in the any financial upside of our models for, and get rewarded for the hard work that they're doing. Secondly, it's about data and technology. And so it's hard to do value-based care unless you can provide the right data to the right person at the right time. And so we work very hard to ensure that our physicians have the right data in front of them to make the right care decisions. And then the third aspect is working together between DaVita clinical teammates and coordinators and our physicians and their team that's in their CKD clinics. And that's all about changing workflows, understanding some of the quality metrics that we have to go after, as well as then beyond the quality metrics, what are we going to do to reduce the total cost of care and keep our patients out of the hospital? And that's where the real magic of value-based care happens, is when you can get that coordination happening with the physician and their team. Innovation and value-based care, it takes time to be successful. Davida has been involved in this work for about a decade, you mentioned. So looking ahead, what makes you excited about Davida's work in this area? And, and how are you optimistic in terms of addressing kidney care in the United States? First, Heather, I think you make a very good point, which is designing and implementing care system that works across all the various partners from the payers to the physicians to the dialysis clinics. It does take time. And recently, I was at a conference where the director of CMMI said that one change could potentially be moving from five years to 10 years because it's just, it is not simple moving from a fee-for-service world to a value-based care world and changing those workflows. So I think we all need to make sure that we have the patience to see these investments through. So that would be first. But second, why am I optimistic? Because there's just so much opportunity. And particularly for kidney patients, there's so much opportunity. And as we get upstream in a value-based care world and we can impact patients who have these chronic conditions early and make sure that they get the care that they deserve and that they need to slow the progression, it really is going to make a big difference for them and their families. And that's exciting to me. We're also seeing incredible results for the value-based care that we're providing for dialysis patients and the reductions that we're seeing in hospitalizations and the improvement that we're seeing in their mental health. And it's just, it's a perfect place to be doing value-based care because the results for the patients are so important. And at the end of the day, if the patients aren't better off, then what are we doing in healthcare? So you got to keep the patient top of mind. And that's exciting to me. 
Thank you for listening to Podnosis. I'm Ayla Ellison. You can find out more about this topic in our show notes at FierceHealthcare.com. Look for podcasts. And don't forget to tune in every Wednesday morning to Podnosis, where healthcare is our beat.